And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Freming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast about uh, music album reviews with myself, Paul Muadib, and my wonderful good friend, Joe Freming. Joe, how are you doing today? Hey, Paul, what can I get for $10? <laughs> At the fuck shop? <laughs> anything you want. You can get anything you want. <laughs> anything you want. <laughs> anything? Anything. <laughs> I fucked that up. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll restart. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast uh, album review uh, with myself, Paul Muadib, and my good, wonderful friend, Joseph Freming. Joe, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Paul, what can I get for $10? Anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, um, we are doing the 1989 classic uh, album um, by two live crew as nasty as they want to be. Um Joe, <laughs> let's as we usually are one to start with. Um, what do you know <laughs> about this album? You know, I would do our little thing where we kind of talk about you know things that we've done like kind of this season, but I think we're going to get in enough heat with this episode alone. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's no, yeah, this is we're, we just threw a grenade into our little podcast here. <laughs> yeah, we sure did, sir. Uh, so, um, yeah, talk to me about your history with. Uh, Two live crew, and uh, uh, particularly as nasty as they want to be. My brother owned this CD when we were growing up. My brother was really into hip hop, as we've discussed. So um, mm-hmm. I heard this at an age I probably really shouldn't have been hearing it at, but I had no idea what they were talking about. Like when this came out, I was eight years old. That's amazing. He's able so, to get like, his hands on it. But I remember this thing was like, it was on the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, we'll get into it, obviously, because this sparked a kind of a First Amendment crisis in Florida. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, this was uh, the late '80s, early '90s. Hip hop hit the news because, uh, as uh, I know, this may sound shocking, but conservative white America is scared of a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things, and this scared the shit out of them um oh yeah so, this caused uh record store clerks to be arrested for selling it mm-hmm. yeah um and, and not just in florida in other places as well yep. yep uh the band the band was actually arrested too for performing these songs in florida and at a got strip club at a strip they were performing it at a strip club and they got arrested and we'll, we'll get we'll get to that so um yeah let's let's just kind of dive right in here so two live crew um, is a Miami hip hop group, and they're you know kind of really credited with with creating that dirty rap, that Miami base. I mean, they didn't. I shouldn't say. And again, I always hate crediting people as creating it. They're the ones that made it a forefront. There was people that were doing it, 
but mm-hmm. Two Live Crew was the one that took it to a national level. Now, you had um, Luke Campbell, who for a time went by Luke Skywalker. Who he was got, uh, sued by George Lucas for that. It's one of the few lawsuits he lost. <laughs> it's one of the few lawsuits he lost, yeah, because he had Skywalker, Luke Skywalker Records. It went by Luke Skywalker, so yeah, he got sued, so he just changed it to Luke Records. It went by Uncle Luke for a while. He still goes by Uncle Luke, I think, still. Uh, he did i don't think yes um yes yeah he still goes by uncle luke luke um then you had um fresh kid ice who was christopher wong wan um who was one of the very first um uh recognized um chinese rappers mm-hmm. uh, and actually he put out a solo album in 1992 which has the distinction of being the first asian centric um rap album called the chinaman um in obviously fresh kid ice um fashion you also had uh david hobbs known as mr mix uh who was the co-founder and uh you know did a lot of the scratching and the music production for the group which we will get into is is good and then you had mark ross or brother marquee <laughs> so um yes two live crew got their start in the early 80s like in 84 they were kind of going through and they're finding people coming in coming out doing that type of thing um they weren't always doing the dirty um rap but they decided to go that way um after kind of sitting around and you know we're looking at things and they decided that they wanted to make comedy albums that took rap sexual lyrics to the next level of nastiness, as they say. That's a quote. Um, and, um, you know, it was really word of mouth uh, that got him going because places weren't going to play it and things like that. And then by 88, 89, they were putting out their third album, which was this one, As Nasty As They Want to Be. Um, where do we even start? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just start by saying, so this was dropped, and uh, once it started picking up heat, it like went off like a grenade. Yes. So the album came out in February of 1989, and it is and it is their largest seller. It's actually a double platinum certified album. Well, it by the end of the year, by 1990, the U.S. States District Court of the uh, U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida decided that it was going to be um, ruled that this was obscene. So let's—I guess—we should really talk about the lawsuit and everything around that. So <clears throat> that time, and I think I, they, I don't know if they're still around or if they have much prominence as they used to. Is the AFA, the American Family Association? Yeah, I don't think they have as much pull as they did. Uh, oh pre-internet i would say i think the internet kind of democratized information yeah really put a like these like weird uh, conservative groups kind of like lost a lot of sway it also didn't help them with all their own scandals and shit too (laughs) right right i mean and i will say that i mean they are around they again i think you're right they don't have as prominence as they have their their, i mean i'm looking at their revenue right now their yearly revenue it's not very much in terms of what our group would have um this is the um they are they are labeled a hate group the afa um as an anti-lgbt hate group um 
this is the people that had, they they started the one million moms, one million dads project. If you guys remember what that was, and that fiasco um, in the in the late uh, in the late teens in the twenty teens. Anyways, point is is that they felt that the parental advisory sticker, which was still fairly new, wasn't enough when it came to this album. <laughs> Oh, the tipper sticker wasn't enough for them. The tipper sticker was not enough for them. So a lawyer affiliated with the AFA, um, Jack Thompson, met with the Florida governor at the time, Bob Martinez. Um, Bob uh, Martinez (sighs) was the governor um, of Florida um, from like what, uh, to, from, uh, God damn, I can't remember what, what time frame, uh, 87 to 91. He then in 91 went on to be the director of national drug control policy for one HW Bush. So it gives you an idea where his, um, pol- politics line. <laughs> so he, um, <clears throat> In 1989, Martinez vowed to clear death row and signed over 90 90 death warrants. Um, At that same time, he ordered state prosecutors to determine whether Miami area, well, the rappers, Two Live Crew, um, album violated Florida obscenity law. As a result, um, before rulings were even done, store owners were being arrested. So what had happened was they said that, hey, one of the lower courts in Florida said this may violate laws and police and everyone took this as authority of let's go arrest people, especially one um, Nick Navarro, who was Broward County Sheriff um, saying that there was probable cause. So at that point they started arresting uh, owners Two live crew filed a lawsuit Two live crew gets arrested um for performing at a club futura which is a strip club um in florida as we talked about um undercover police officers are going in and doing stings at record stores in florida um there was one of the few radio stations in the u.s that even allowed airplay of of um two live crew ironically enough in Miami <laughs> was doing it. Um, but the thing is, is that <clears throat> all this really succeeded in doing was drumming up interest. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. The government's going after this album, you know, and there's a lot of free speech advocates. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Well, nothing's going to gin up uh, people's interest in something more than the government saying they can't have it. Prohibition has never really worked. <laughs> In any no. way, shape, or form in this country. No, and I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I I remember we had that, we had an assembly when you and I were kids. Um, we had it about Mortal Kombat, but we had it also, they kind of strung in things. They wouldn't talk about the albums by name, but I remember them bringing up, you know, and there's a lot of music and movies out there that are coming out geared towards your audio, you know, and you should say no to listening and doing that thing. I mean, this was a national emergency. Think about that. Now, in the eight, in the late 80s, early 90s, 
we were having such poverty problems, the recession, there were so many other issues that were going on that we're still dealing with. And yet this was the main national focus. As you and I talked about, this was on national news. No one was playing this album until they saw what was going to happen from the, from, from the courts, because this could have had massive, um, federal, I mean, not just in Florida, but just in national repercussions, depending on where this was going to go. Well, that also brings up, makes people want to buy it more because then they'll have something that's taboo. Mm -hmm. I own an illegal album. I mean, that's just like uh, two life crew couldn't have asked for better publicity than the white fright here. Absolutely. I mean, Joe, you and I, uh, I think you watched them. I know I did. We would get our hands on those faces of death because the movies, not, not because I was like disgusting and want to see those things, but it was because it's supposedly illegal. You're not supposed yeah. to see this movie. Even though they rented them out at videos. <laughs> I, I know, right? Right, right. But your kid, you don't know. Yeah, the kid, you don't know. You know, that's the story. Oh my God, these are these are illegal. You yeah. know, you can't, you're not supposed to watch this. You know, I mean, and it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I look at it in the, in the late 70s, early 80s with Times Square. Remember when when porn and became and the, oh, and yeah. the peep yeah. show and that evolution in Times Square, it started going more and more and more. And as they were doing the crackdowns, it be, people wanted more and more and more and more of it. Um, so yeah, you have this, you have this thing. So yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that okay, you're gonna put this up as lewd, right? If this is if this is obscene, okay. Yet they're playing it at a strip club, <laughs> yeah. and I you're mean, gonna go and arrest them for playing a sexually lewd album at a strip club. Yeah. And they also are threatened with arrest at a non-strip club show. And uh, Luther Campbell said they would actually do a censored version of the songs if it was an all-ages show. His argument was, since it's 18+, plus, these people can make their own choices of what they want to hear. If you don't want to hear these songs, don't go to the fucking show. It's... It was a simple, and I believe they still ended up getting arrested anyway, which yes, is they did. fucking wild. Yep, they did get arrested for that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they weren't willing to, like, you know. Although, I, doing that, like, I wouldn't have, my me personally, I wouldn't have done it. But, like, I, you know, the situation was a lot more heated back then. So it's easy for me to, with 2020 vision and never having to be in that position. But still, it was like... I mean, it was, this was just white people were frightened. Yes. And it's, they're frightened because of lyrics from, let's face it, it black guys and minorities. It, it was black guys. And they give you guys an idea of this. So the judge that this went in front of, um, his name was Jose Gonzalez. Um, Jose Gonzalez, um, uh, who was part of the, uh, let me, let me, I want to get right. I want to get my, I want to get right. Um, he was the senior United States district judge for the Southern district of Florida. He was, um, appointed there by Jimmy Carter, um, in 1978. So this wasn't just a, honestly, a left wing, right wing. I mean, people forget, I think with the whole MM with the MPAA, that was a bipartisan effort 
by Republicans and Democrats to crack down on music. It wasn't just, oh, you know, this is that, you know, oh, you know, yeah. no, this was white, white America being afraid. Um, so, yeah. And the so PMRC, this, that, that legacy of that also, you know, little, little did Al Gore know that that would bite him in his presidential <laughs> aspirations ass in 2000 because a lot of people were still chafed by that. Absolutely. Absolutely. For right or wrong, they were chafed by it. And again, I, I, I can understand the why, but again, you know, when you look at whether you're going against the Bush, like they should have yeah. known, but that's, you know, neither but, here nor there. I mean, because yeah, hindsight's always 2020, but it, it was a big reason though. I, I mean, Maria was even moderates were still pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Al Gore using his position in Congress to get, these hearings, which I mean, just fucking what? <laughs> it's music, it's lyrics, it's not harming anybody. Yep, and that's and that's what what Campbell was was talking about in in with um and with journalists when this was going to appeals. He said, "Look, a lot of people have gotten the impression that I'm this rude, sexual deviant or something." And he said, "Contrary to what's been printed about me in the papers, I'm no moral threat to anybody." I'm just a hardworking guy marketing a new product. This mm -hmm. is just a product to me. And I could see his thing. Well, in, in 1992, the court, U.S. Court of Appeals in the 11th Circuit overruled and overturned the obscenity ruling. And the Broward County then appealed to the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court refused to hear. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of... Uh, let me pull it up here. Well, you're pulling up. I'll just mention, uh, yeah. based off, uh, you know, like years of like studying and shit. Uh, Supreme Court will rarely, if ever, take up a free speech case. Yeah, because it's just uh, it's such a slippery slope going one way or the other. Like they will typically, even the most conservative of the courts, like we're seeing now, will more likely land on the side of the first amendment. It's just, uh, uh, it's just, it, it's one of those few things I think is bipartisan uh, for the rational. Let's just say the irrational took this, this particular case too far. Yeah, absolutely. This was so before the irrational took <laughs> over the entire party. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> this is before the inmates were running the asylum. So there was a gentleman by the name of Henry Louis Gates, and that name might sound familiar. Um, He's a, a university professor who went and spoke on behalf and was there and talked about, um, like, why this wasn't obscenity. And if that name sounds somewhat familiar, like, hey, I've heard that name before. This is the guy who got uh, the professor uh, at Cambridge who got arrested by the police for, get, for um, supposedly breaking into his own house. When they saw, when, you know, he was trying to get in his own house and someone reported an individual forcing open the front door and the police arrested him and wouldn't listen to him that it was his own house. And he was brought into by Barack Obama and Joe Biden to come to the White House and they apologized and everything. Um, yeah, that's the same guy. Same guy, interestingly enough. So even though it was overruled, there were still other people that were being arrested. Um, in Canada, there was a gentleman that was arrested um, and um, for selling the album. Uh, you know, eventually it, you know, there was other things that, that occurred. It started to die down. 
Um, but the lawsuits and everything weren't over <laughs> for two live crew and the boys. Um, there is a lot of sampling. There yeah, is a- this is, uh, <laughs> I noticed that too. Uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, the early 90s sampling. I believe to this day, Beastie Boys are still being sued for yes. uh, the samples on uh, Paul's Boutique. I mean, there was like, because it was like free for all. Nobody really knew what the copyright law really extended to until it was decided in courts. So, yep. I mean, this was like, this was the Wild West. Yep, absolutely. Music. And it, it and I got to say, I love the samples on this. Oh, my God. So it's, the samples it are, work so well. You got Kubrick to Richard Pryor to Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Guns N' Roses. You got Clarence Carter getting <laughs> getting getting sampled on this thing. Yeah, so um, there was, um, you know, Van Halen sued them. Um, George Lucas publicly sued them. Um, which then forced and, and those two won, um, those two won. Um, and I I don't know what the sum was or what the, what the deal was there. Um, which is so funny to me because the particular song and we'll get to it when we get, when we go track by track that Van Halen sued them over was never a song that was going to be on the radio or make any royalty play. So the title alone would just, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. They bothered to sue. I mean, I think Van Halen could have came out looking a lot cooler. Well, to, they, be, to be fair, it was released as a single. Okay. Well, you know, that <laughs> didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know what radio station was playing it, but it was released as a single. Holy shit. I, I, I want to listen to that radio station. I hope that radio station is still there. So the group, uh, the follow-up to this was banned in the USA. <laughs> Which again is another one of their famous one. People probably know that one, and they, they actually and a documentary they put out too, based yep. on uh, what happened with the lead up. I watched. I watched most of the. It's on YouTube. You can mm-hmm. watch it. So yep. it's on there. Um, but Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen was like the complete opposite. Van Halen was like, "Yes, you was born in the USA. Yes, go go go, guys, go earn your freedom." <laughs> like, Springsteen's pretty sweet, man. I like. <laughs> I like Bruce Bruce. I like Bruce. Bruce is Bruce is fighting the good fight. Yeah. He so, always has been. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I know we're gonna be fine on SoundCloud. I don't know what's gonna happen on YouTube with this particular um one, Joe. Um, but uh I guess we gotta get right into this and start talking about the song. I think we'll that. be fine on YouTube. Just use the as clean as they wanna be album cover. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's. I have I have lyrics pulled up here, sir. Um, so <laughs> let me just say, because like go, listening to this now, like how many was this? Like almost thirty years. Yes, eighty nine. It was eighty nine. Yeah, so it's over thirty years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was still quite shocked by some of these. <laughs> <laughs> so was I. I was like, this is progressive in a way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a. Uh, if you ever wondered if you'll get strange looks driving around uh, Fargo Moorhead while listening to As Nasty As They Want To Be by Two Live Crew, let me let you know, 
You will get dirty, weird looks. <laughs> you will get dirty, weird looks. Dude, you'll get dirty, weird looks driving around certain um, suburbs of Minneapolis with, your, <laughs> with this town. Because I did. Um, oh, did you have your kids in the car, too? Uh, no. Do you know, no, not for no, this no, one? Not for this one. Not for this one. <laughs> Uh, I no. don't blame you. No, you, might have, you might have had like child services called on you. Yeah, I mean, this is just something you know. I'm I'm not a prude, but the same token, they're just they're not old enough for this yet. I'm not going to go there. Uh, so it opens with uh, Miso Horny, which if you don't know Miso Horny, you've been living under a rock. It's this the biggest is, song off this album. It's the biggest song of their career. It has the hook. It's it's like their big single. It's like this is mm-hmm. the song they're known for. Opens with a quote from a quote from Full Metal Jacket, where <laughs> the soldiers jacket. are uh, talking to prostitute. <laughs> yep, talking to uh, I believe her name was Papillon Susu. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a hot minute since I watched Full Metal Jacket. I love that movie though. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. And you know, it's it's it's, it's the lyrics. You know, that compared to the what's to come or. They're tameish. These these are tame compared to what's gonna come. come. The, um, but it, yeah. this, to me, this is like this is the song that they're gonna be. They're always known for. It's a it's catchy. It which, is, which is one of the things the rest of the album really kind of lacks. Yes, in a lot of parts. Uh, but yeah, this was this was their uh, this is their big song. This is their big song. So, and I'm going to go through because I want to bring up some of the samples because this is some unusual sampling. Um, and I want to say that the way that a lot of these ones are down, it's downright genius how they came up with music and samples and the way that they use it in, in these songs. Um, Who so, was the DJ? I forget. Like, uh, it was Mr. Mix. I like this, yeah, I like this really early, this uh, early-ish hip-hop, like rough-and-tumble DJ work. Oh, so I, it really just appeals to me. I think uh, DJ work's gotten a little too slick. It's got really, really like yeah. the rough beats and the, the jarring samples. Like that really just, I really like that style. So, and the ability to make beats and music out of these unusual samples, right? Oh, yeah. when, like just the creativity that goes into it. And we'll get in that with some of these other songs, but um, so yeah, there's fragments of again, full metal jacket, Nancy Sinatra's "These Boots Are Made for Walking," which um, is part because that's in the movie. Yep, yep, that's why yep. It's it's it plays when they're talking to the prostitute. Yes, um, it has um, sex moans taken from "Which Way's Up," starring Richard Pryor, <laughs> and it takes um, music um, from the band Mass Productions' a song "Firecracker." Which, again, you hear those things again, and you go, "How the fuck did you come up with a song, let alone lyrics like?" Um, I'm a dog in heat, a freak without warning. I have an appetite for sex because me so horny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, they're, I mean, again, this is pretty tame yeah. compared to what's going to come. And I'm I'm just going to do it because, again, I want to bring up some of these lyrics just because I have to. But and I, I think this is a thing that people kind of missed about this album. It's, it's overly cartoonish. It's overly cartoonish yeah it's like it this is like borderline satire of like a really horny person (laughs) you know what i mean it's like it's funny because it's so over the top and crazy like you're not supposed to take any of this shit seriously which is the again scared white people took all this word for word as gospel of like this is what these guys believe 
They uh, probably so, listened to Gwar and thought the same thing. Listen to Gwar and thought the same thing. Somebody used verse two, which is sung, which is uh, rapped by uh, Fresh Kid Ice. <laughs> Girls <laughs> always ask me why I fuck so much. I say, "What's wrong, baby?" With a quick nut. And again, the joke implying that he, you know, is you know fast in bed. Um, cause you're the one and you shouldn't be mad. I won't tell your mama if you won't tell your dad. I know he'll be disgusted if he sees your pussy busted. Won't your mama be so mad if she knew I got that ass? You cannot take these lyrics seriously. No. Like there is absolute satire and comedy in and it's, here. It's also shock for shock value. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like, you know, you know, with the obscenity thing, it'd been like, it'd been like, trying to sue John Waters for Pink Flamingos. That movie was shocking for shock value. Nailed it. And when you went after them for it, they won, yeah. right? You win. You win. If you go after someone, you know, if, if you put something out there for shock value and people react to it, congratulations, they won. That's mm-hmm. why shock jocks and, like, people, like, disgusting people like Milo and Ben Shapiro, they get off mm-hmm. on people getting mad at them I would and say even Tucker Carlson. Even Tucker Carlson. They get off on, on the outrage. If if average people ignored them and never talked about them, that would destroy them. Yeah. And, you know, that, I mean, and honestly, if no one had paid attention to this and just went, oh, my God, it's trash, whatever. Yeah. This album never would have gotten where it was. And Two Life Crew never would have been on the map. I think it would just been like a cult album and that would have been <laughs> it. Yep. It's so, curio of the time, you know. Now we go to put her in the buck, Joe. Put her in the buck. Put her in the buck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has samples um, from um, the main song. Riff and moans are samples from Chicana's Jungle Fever. Um, yes, again, cartoonishly uh, over the top cartoonish over the top and i love the mixing of like the sex noises and the girl yes. and everything it's so <laughs> funny and you know they get her moaning and as soon as she gets the peak of it the put her in the book <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um which is basically them explaining again i had to look this up because i'm listening to this and i'm going i'm not familiar with the term of this sexually and i'm I like I to have think. No idea. So I'm in for education here. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I spent a lot of time. I, I think you maybe knew this. I, statute limitations, people. So I can't get in trouble now. I own. I co-owned a pirate radio station, online radio station, many many years ago, and uh, I was the shock jock. So part of my thing was I'd go on like Urban Dictionary and do things and. One of my shticks was I would bring up like weird sex positions in between songs and like talk about it, make jokes and things like that. That's just what I did for it. So I've heard a lot of things, but I'm like, I've never heard of the buck. And so I'm I'm searching for this and everything I'm finding is just leading back to this song. Like the, like this song created it. Basically. <laughs> well, and when you when you get to it and you realize it, all it is is a girl laying on her back with her legs up. That is oh. it. It's it's the over the shoulder method. That's it. And oh. you're going and you're going. That's the write a song about like this basic almost missionary position. Really, really. So so sounds so scandalous. <laughs> they really, which do. is the hilarious part. Again, it's over the top. It's it's cartoon and offensive. And yeah, yes, that's the point. That's the point. That's the whole yep. point of this album. Yep. Um. Because I think yeah. Because it says um. 
you know, again, um, lay the bitch on the bed, flatter her back, hold her legs up high, make that pussy slack. <laughs> like, come on, come on. Um, you can uh, you can put her in the buck while sitting on the sink, wrap her legs around you. Now take this dick and put her in the buck. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's for some like they took something so honestly an innocent position that I think even Mormons do, and um, made it this over the top thing. Made so, it sound so dirty. <laughs> made it sound so dirty. Yes, yes, and I think that's the comedy of it. Is there's definitely a comedy of it, like, hey, we're going to take this thing that is not that big thing, and we're going to make it big. So um, I think the song, you know, honestly, I, it's I love the beat uh, to it that 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 Southern Miami beat. Um, everything they did, I mean, it's a fun song to listen to. Like, it's definitely a dance song. I don't know what you think, Joe. Yeah, it's it's a funny song. I agree. <laughs> this is like when I start realizing though on the album, and it's, it comes up through almost all the songs after is that they're funny but their MCs are kind of boring vocally yes yes like they just seem like uh meat and potatoes like there's no real like nothing interesting about their voices which is it kind of that's what uh, kind of bugs me a lot mm-hmm. it. it's like this would be so much better if they actually put some personality into it but they don't have an MCA or, um, and they don't have, they don't uh, have a Jay-Z. They don't have a Jay-Z. They don't have an ODB. Um, yeah, uh, no, they don't have that one that sticks out and it kind of, you know, yeah. freshes it up. Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, they're or like, all pretty much sounding the same to me. It, you know, it's kind of like in a way to me, and I don't know, maybe people get offended when I say this, but it's the way I feel D12 without Eminem. I didn't feel like there was a lot of personality there. They're funny, they're good, but the personality there wasn't like anyone in D12 that stuck out to me really. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I'm not too familiar. I never so, really listened to them. So. Oh, I just remember right. the, the Purple Pills song. Like, right, right, and yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with their whole catalog either. In Purple Pill, and I think there was one other that I'm really familiar with that was like off their first album or something when they started to become big. So next we get Dick Almighty, <laughs> which uh. You know, again, this is like you know the my complaint would be the boring DJs or not the the, the MCs. The DJ I love, whoever's doing the sampling, because it, it samples craft work, <laughs> yeah, which exactly is just right. like you know they're going for like nerds like me out there who yeah. know that. Yes, <laughs> yes, and craft work for those that don't know is a West German experimental electronic band, <laughs> basically Devo before Devo. Yes. Yes, like it is a, a buddy of mine was big into the um, industrial scene and he loves craft work. He would always yeah, talk to me about craft work. Yeah. I love craft work. Yeah. So yeah. they're sampling that. They're sampling Rudy Ray Moore. Hell yeah. <laughs> which I love. I have the Rudy Ray Moore box set, by the way. I love I those. I want to get that. I really want that. <laughs> the Dolomite so stuff. Oh my God. Do Dolomite Human Tornado. God, Disco Godfather. Oh, dude, I have them all. Like, I fucking love Rudy Ray Moore. So when I heard him, I was like, yes. It's got Richard Pryor. It's got Kip Odita. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's referencing Leroy Skillet and the Wanda from Backdoor Daddy. I mean, this has got. There's so much going on in Dick Almighty. Big Mouth. I mean, that's another thing I kind of miss was like hip hop groups sampling other hip hop groups. Yeah, yeah. Like these, they do it. uh, uh, NWA would do that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it just seemed like it was kind of cool back in the early days of hip hop when they would actually sample. Yeah, I think it was showing homage to other hip hop groups. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Yep. So we got uh, we got Dick Almighty. What the fuck's your name, motherfucker? Long Rod, Fat Frank, Peter. <laughs> And again, people are getting offended. Like, this is obscene. Yeah, ah, come I mean, on. this is just—it's Looney Tunes, you know. It's just—it's cartoonish. It's—I mean, we can look back now and laugh because it just—just just how people just didn't get it. Yes, I mean, like we talked today, like people have cognitive issues when it comes to reality. People forget how it was in the early late 80s, early 90s. Like people were offended by Prince. Yeah, yeah. Tipper yeah, Gore. Tipper Gore. <laughs> but you know, I think a lot of that came from though there was a there was a really relatively I loved the song. I always have loved the song, but I think the song Controversy really offended people because in the uncut version, he does the um our father. And I think that really offended people. Like, oh my God, he's making a mockery of Christianity. So I think they're always going to go after him, regardless of what he did. And also, again, his first—if you look on YouTube and you see Prince's first thing—he basically pulled a um, um, a Bootsy Collins before Bootsy Collins and was on a diaper, um, like performing. So yeah, um, so yeah, that no, I, I, you know, this—I'm not going to really get into the lyrics of this one because this one's difficult. To even find one that I could somewhat uh, find, <laughs> and I've got offensive with the other two songs, so there's that. Um, um, but basically, the song is all about how his dick will make any woman do anything. Um, essentially, yeah, pretty much. He's uh, very proud of his appendage. There, he's very proud of his appendage. I guess I can I can say this one. Um, it's. Um, he says, um, "Not, but not the long one. I won't play that shit. Put her ass in the buck. Make it a reference to the other song. Kill the clit. It's 15 inches long, eight inches thick. My last name Almighty. My first name Dick. Yeah, again, <laughs> this is just uh, it's over the top. Like I, 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 I'm really just like I can't believe that people just didn't get it. No, no, they didn't get now." Do we talk about this is the start of someone I think would be considered nowadays like why I think even even uh, people would still be offended if something like this came out because this doesn't look at the homosexual persuasion um, very well. No, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of to be fair, a lot of uh, music, especially with like hip hop. I don't like targeting, but there there is a lot of uh, homophobia and hip hop, even going all the way up to Eminem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no. Jay Z and there's references. It's, just, it's there. just what it is was at the time, and I don't mm-hmm. agree with it. But you know, it's it's there. Like I can't. I'm not going to defend it. Nope, it, I'm not going to defend it just, either. It was part of. It was part of the culture. Kind of the culture was at the time. I didn't really care for it then. I don't like it now, but it's it's there, and yep. and we can't change it. It's no. just there. We learn and move on. You know? Yep. And I will say that again, like this again, I know people talk about times and go, well, that's not really an excuse. I, I, I argue and go, it's absolutely an excuse because it's the sign of the times. It's what it was. Is it that right or wrong? Norm, like that, that I was mean, the that, norm. Yeah. Well, people always want to look back with rose tinted glasses and 
Well, it'd be different if I was around. No, you, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Again, I, I, you can go on YouTube. It's out there. Um, there's a YouTube uh, in uh, that has like a whole um, uh, a compilation of problematic jokes from the '80s, and people are falling out of their chairs laughing at these jokes. Where now I look at, I mean, even listening, I can't even crack a smile. I'm like, that's not funny. You know, I mean, that's comedy is subjective. I mean, you, you, that's why you have people not going back to like the fifties and forties comedy and being like, oh my God, this guy's, you know, ha ha ha. Most of it wasn't that great except for the actual great greats. Right. So there you go. Well, even then when they go back, you know, you can <clears throat> cherry pick Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Which people have done. Which uh, they have done. You know, you know what I mean? You're going to put them to blast and like, again, it, I'm not, I don't want to defend it because it was the times, but it was kind of the times. And I don't know if he's ever, you know, reflected back. But he it seems has. like a lot of comedians, at least. No, he they, has. They'll recognize when they were in the wrong. He he was asked about an interview and he said that he has a hard time going back and listing the parts of Raw because of, because you know, of homophobic. Because and, of homophobic and things it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but again, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, and, and you, you listen to that audience and that audience was dying during those jokes. So understand that it wasn't just a comedian dictating it. It was the humor of the time. People were laughing at it. Um, so, and the last thing I want to bring is I love the Richard Pryor sample. When I was about to grab my pers- private personal parts, <laughs> I wanted to grab my personal private parts. <laughs> like so genius. So genius. Um, yeah, the, the mixer is just, um, is just fantastic. Okay. Next, we're going to get Come On, Babe. Now, I searched and searched and searched, and I couldn't find the samples for Come On, Babe. I'm guessing it was just from a porn movie, honestly. I'm guessing so, too. I'm guessing it was just a, a porn movie, which this is I... Also, this is when we're kind of getting into like some of the more forgettable parts of the album. Like, yes. I don't remember a whole lot of this track, because nothing really pops in it. Uh, for that, me... That's what happens... Uh, We'll get to like the other songs, but it happens where it's just like it kind of drags. I'll just say I ain't bullshit and gets really boring. I, I want to get to that one because yeah, we'll, we'll, and we'll get to that. And I'm with you on that. Um, but I will say um, <clears throat> I did love the sample for this album, like like for this track. Like you had that Miami beat, and then like the girl going "fuck me," and I was like, dude, who would have thought that they could have done where you have this have the saxophone thing or this trumpet beat going doo doo and then like it matches what this woman's saying that obviously they saw in a porno. Yeah like, the it's, beats and like it's so inventive. And like I, I kind of miss that. And like and hip hop is still inventive, but if it's kind of hard because like a lot of everything's been done. Exactly. But it's like since this was still relatively new, it was so experimental. And the people were just taking chances with shit. And that was so awesome. And you know, hip hop is still doing that. I just feel like it's not as much because I think people have found their path in the genre, and that's where they kind of stick to. Mm-hmm. But back then, when this came out, it was just like it again. It was the Wild West. It was just like you. There was no mold. <laughs> Everybody was creating the mold at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, an interesting, as you and I have said, hey, this is kind of where it gets repetitive, you know, and like it's not very interesting. Oddly enough, this song was recorded before Me So Horny and was going to be the first single. Well, and, that would have been a bad idea. <laughs> and, and Luke, 
actually says, I think it's a better song than Me So Horny from a lyrical standpoint, the delivery and rap style. And that may be, but once again, what have There's we no talked hook. about? There's no That's hook. That's the thing. It's mm-hmm. it's why I barely remember it. You know what I mean? It's like, it just doesn't stand out that much. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. You can have like the greatest lyrics and be rapping it and shit, but if there's nothing to make anything to stand out with it, you have to be like the greatest MC to sell it. Yeah, I mean, I'm these p- guys can't sell it because, as we discussed, they're pretty uh, plain MCs. Like, so I'm not. A, I don't want to be like as a dig because, you know, you look back. It's still they're like I said, they're creating the molds. A lot of people just they don't sound as confident on the mic. Mm-hmm. I think as maybe they would have been if you know they've been around a little bit longer. Or, Right. I mean, if this had been maybe their sixth album, but this was their third album. And it was yeah. really their, when we say their quote, third album, the other two were like garage, like underground albums. Like they didn't yeah. really go anywhere. Like this was their first real album. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to bring up some lyrics here, Joe. Um, Love is the key to end all your woes. You'll be my bitch, not a dirty hoe. Together as one we will be. I'll be fucking you and you'll be sucking me. Then lick my ass up and down. Lick it till your tongue turns doo-doo brown. Don't try to be slick. Give me a kiss. Come on, baby. We can do this. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> it's lyrically more better. It's lyrically better than... <laughs> I would say it's pretty much on par with me so far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's sir. just as cartoonish. It's just as cartoonish. Maybe slightly yeah. more vulgar. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is because you're talking about, you know, rimming and things like that, I guess. And yeah, I mean, there is a few things in there, but I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I, I love how the ending of it. I think that type of sexual activity is disgusting. Again, they <laughs> know what they were doing. Um, yeah, they knew exactly what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. Um, so you have that next. Next up on the on on the list, we got his dirty nursery rhymes, Joe. <laughs> oh yeah, inspired by Andrew Dice Clay, another uh, controversial figure around this time. Yes, uh, the, he I, took uh, with uh, Two Life Crew was doing the hip hop. He was bringing to the comedy stage. Hey, people like him and Sam Kennison were kind of like doing shock. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I would argue Kennison was a better comic. Andrew does clay, but uh, Kennison's standup has not stood up very well with times. I'll, I'll... And, and his personal life hasn't stood up to the, to the, to the best of times either. But um, I will recognize him as a groundbreaker. Both yes, of them. Yeah. Both of them were groundbreakers in in comedy, but it was just uh, not my thing. No, not my thing either. I mean, you know, I like I th- the dirtier comics. Like, I like my Pat and Oswalt's and uh, Brian Posehn's. And uh, I would say, honestly, you're 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 leaving someone out that is very very important, which was Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, because uh, Gilbert Godfrey was doing something very similar to this. I think. What Gilbert Godfrey, not only was he just a better comic, but I think for him, it truly was a character. Like you had Sam Kennison and you had, you know, Andrew Dice Clay saying it was characters that they really didn't behave this way. But you but, feel like they did. Yeah, right, right. And and for, again, you, for Gilbert, you knew 
with you Gilbert, knew. <laughs> Gilbert, you knew that this was a character. There's no way a guy's walking around talking like that in New York. It's just not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. It's not, no, no. And I think that was the thing. I think, and I think the truth was for Gilbert, it was a character. He never got lost in the character. He always knew he was doing a character. But Gilbert never got to the, the heights of uh, Kennison or. No. Or Andrew Dice Clay sold out Madison Square Garden. I think I saw that special and I was like real young. And I remember even then, like, this guy's not very funny. No, no. And again, this is one of those things. This would be a great one for people to go back to and watch and be like, this is what people were laughing at at the time. Yeah. Um, again, Kennison was a better comic. I think he, I, I preferred more some of what he was saying because yeah. I, I looked at Sam Kennison as a poor man's bill hicks yeah um i, I love think, bill i hicks. actually think kennison if had he not died would have become a better comic i and I, I yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that i think you know he was out of control he had his demons and you know, i watched documentaries on sam kennison and get not a good person um no, you know, no uh yeah he had his uh he had his problems but i'll, I'll always love him and his cameo and back to school well, you know what? <laughs> Danger Field. He's the unhinged Vietnam guy. He's the unhinged Vietnam. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know that there was a big falling out between, or a big fight. I don't even know if it was falling out, but a big fight between him and Bobcat Goldthwait. Because. Oh, picks fight, picked fights all the time, though. Well, he is was, infamous for picking fights with comedians. I love Bobcat. But, but the play. I love him too, but he. Uh, I mean, Bobcat is a guy who uh, called out Jerry Seinfeld for dating a 17-year-old oh while he married an 18-year-old who he was dating priorly when she was 17. <laughs> so let's uh, – Bobcat, uh, he likes to throw rocks in his glass houses. <laughs> I, and that, that's fair. But no, what this was over was supposedly Sam Kennison was going to get – was up for the role of um, uh, Police Academy. And somehow they end up going with um, Bobcat, and Sam Kennison was convinced that Bobcat like sabotaged him. And so there is a big thing you can find it where they would go on Howard Stern and prank each other and like yell at each other, and Howard Stern would instigate these fights. Yeah, but anyways, uh, that's another uh, another thing. Well, I will give Kennison one other thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he gave Norm McDonald his big start. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. And Norm, I, I love Norm. So I love Norm. Norm, <laughs> Norm is genius. I was I was just listening to his um to one of his stand ups where it was the it was the um one of his comic albums where it was the the Fantastic Four. Where <laughs> it's so it's so dry and so funny. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> listen to his uh, last comedy album. He does a thing about the news about how it yeah. used to be boring, and then like all of a sudden like. Because they had to fill time. All of a sudden, they had to like do all this missing people, and he's like, "All of a sudden, I'm fucking invested in these people, this missing Susan that I've never met before." <laughs> and then he's like, he's going through the, like the beat by beat of like every day of the news, and he's like, "Yeah." Then then you feel like you kind of forget about her. Then all of a sudden, the news comes along one day, and they're like, "We have an update on Susan. We're out here in the woods," and he's like, "Oh shit, nothing good <laughs> happens in the woods." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, nursery rhymes. Yeah, uh, so basically, it's Dice Clay's nursery rhymes stand up. Yep. Uh, just just mixed in a little bit. I mean, yep. 
Uh, you know, there's a sample of Cheech and Chong, Eric, my eye. Yeah. <laughs> Catch my record, man. Um, yeah, I mean, which one do I go with? Uh, it's it's kind of redundant. I mean, if you're already familiar with the dice clay thing, this is kind of... Yeah. It's basically the same thing. I mean, yeah. it, it's raunchy and quite jarring. Yeah, and, and I think this is one of the first time where, where you can say hip-hop was calling out weaves as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was that. This is this I think was the first I can remember them calling out weaves. Uh, next, you get break it down. Uh, I, this one was I, I, I was kind of forgettable to me. Yep, it was uh, forgettable to me too. Again, yeah. like it's just like some of these. Tr- this album would, I think would be a lot better if they cut five songs. Yes, yes, and then it would make it a tight. So because it's at eighteen, it's it's, it's pretty a double long. album. It's a double album that they yeah. put out, and it, it's just a, it it doesn't warrant being a double album. And with this particular one, this is one of those songs that doesn't fit the mold of the album. This is not a offensive song. It's a standard rap song. And again, if you want to know what True Live Crew would have been without the shock value, this is it. Yeah, this and, is, and pretty unremarkable. <laughs> and it's unremarkable. It's it's eh, it's eh. Yeah. But then, um, but then we go into Two Live Blues. <laughs> we go into Two Live Blues. Which kind of, at least, like, here's the thing. They'll throw these boring tracks, but then it'll be followed up by, like, something, like, so fucking weird. Yes. <laughs> this is literally a blues song. It's a blues song, and I, it's sampling Clarence Carter, of all fucking people. <sighs> um, and I, I'm going to bring up verse three, Fresh Kid Ice. Since my baby left me, I've been doing well on my own. Fucked the neighbor's wife and broke up a happy home. Now the, <laughs> now the bitch want to live with me. This long dick Chinese. Bitch, if you can't fry rice, we'll get your bald ass out tonight. <laughs> Just, yeah. That's, like, I, I, I often... Uh... <laughs> I'm just patiently waiting, you know, like YouTube has those reaction videos and I all sometimes go through my personal hell of watching millennials or not millennials, Gen Z watch like things that like they think is controversial, like Seinfeld. Yes. Or the office. I, just, I watch and I'm like, oh my God. And there's always like the, like the two kids who actually get it. The other people are like, that's just so offensive. And it's like Seinfeld is offensive. I want to see some Gen Z's like, Reaction video <laughs> to do live blues. <laughs> to do live blues. I'm gonna do another one by Mr. Mix. I met this raggedy bitch down at the southeast, the southwest A Street. I fucked that bitch from the head to the top of her head to the bunions on her motherfucking feet. I said, bitch, as long as long as your pussy is, it's a goddamn sin. I gotta hold an ironing board across your chest to keep from falling in. Oh my god, like it's a blue song, but it's uh, not a blue song. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I, it's, I think this is clever. I, I mean, yeah, in terms of a rap blue song that's yeah. filthy. Like this is something like, okay, you guys were on. It's, it's memorable. It stands out where mm-hmm. break it on down has nothing to make it stand out. No. And speaking of not really getting it to stand out is I ain't bullshitting, which is just like, if, if it's like a disc track. And here's the problem with disc tracks. A lot of the time is like time is not kind to them. Yes. And the fact that I don't know who any of these fucking people are. 
Like, so, if you listen to like classic diss tracks, at least like you kind of know who, like Jay Z, Nas, you know who they are because yep. they are prominent. These guys are like dissing people I've never fucking heard of, and I've I'm not an expert on hip hop, but I think to like to know, I like to think that I know a little bit at least, and I have no idea who any of these people are. So, and I, you know, before we did this, I did some digging like because like, i wanted to know like okay there's i'm like when i were listening to this i'm like there's a story here there's a story and they're not telling the story very good <laughs> and i want to know the story so i went out and i was looking up like you know what it was and i they've done like three or four versions of this song like on various albums throughout the years kind of they have their mega mix that they do they put out this i ain't bullshit and this became kind of like a staple for some of their albums um <clears throat> I can't find anything on MC Shine that they talk about. Um, I have no idea who R is. I have no idea who the one MC and the DJ is and the initials uh, CL. Um, guessing they're just hyper-local Miami hip-hop acts that never went anywhere. Well, the thing that confused me is they're saying, because they're bitching about Chicago tour. I mean, I mean not Chicago, New York tours. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, so they try to do something up in New York and couldn't get anywhere. So you're going and, after New York rappers, but no ones nobody's ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going after KRS-One or anything. You're going... <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, like they're saying, you know, who's messing with R? Who's sucking R's dick? And I'm going, somebody in New York who controls shows and national tours who won't let us play on national tours. So, obviously, someone wouldn't let them go on tour with them in New York, or there was, like, a big tour that went on in New York. I don't know. I couldn't find, like, again, I can usually find something on, like, songs. You know, there's there's these websites out there that are, like, saw meetings, and people be like, hey, this is what... Yeah. This is the background of what was going on. I can't find shit on this one. So, yeah, I mean, as a diss track, it's fine. I mean, I do like I do like the fact that they did sample, again, Richard Pryor off a of crap game, um, which is a funny, funny, if you haven't heard this bit, his crap game bit, it's a funny bit. You know, and it's, it's again, the, the DJ, and I, ain't shit, and I ain't bullshitting, you know, bet wasn't shit. You know, that type of thing. It, I like that, but the rest of it was eh. Yeah, because eh. I don't know who these people are. Like, exactly. I'm not, I'm not invested in Miami hip-hop in 1991. I mean, it's just... And I think people in Miami in 1991 who are into hip-hop are like... A lot of them are like, who are these people? Yep. Yeah. I Yeah. I, again, I couldn't... I was hoping to find something for the podcast about what it was, and... No, I couldn't find anything about it out there. And I, you know, I, I would say I spent about a good hour and a half looking, which on a Google search is quite a long time. You know, I mean, usually you could, if you don't find something within 15, 20 minutes, it's not there, yeah. but I still wanted to give it a good search and really look. And no, I just could, I came up empty every time. Uh, next we get, get loose now. Um, yeah. This one also um, you know, the only thing that stood out was the Beastie Boys sample. It was the, it was the Beastie Boys drop. <laughs> you know the beat drop. Yeah. Um, you know they they do sample Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Yeah, takes um, two. Takes yeah. two. But again, this is one of those tracks where there isn't um, it isn't as lewd as the other ones. Um, you know, towards the end of it, you know, yeah, he sings about oh she's got a big bush. Okay, um, that's about it. It, again, this is what it would be if they weren't doing the the dirty rap 
or the porn rap as it's now gotten called. And we'll talk about kind of the aftermath of this album, like what it did and who it inspired. Um, but what later became like, again, if they weren't doing this style, that style, this is what you would get. And it's, it's, eh, it's meh, it's meh, meh, it's meh, meh, meh. Um, next we get. <laughs> yes, Paul. <laughs> we get the, the fuck shop. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, this is, uh, for me, the last track that I really liked. This is like, this, it's, this it's is sad a highlight. To say, like the eight tracks that follow this, like just even with a Hendrix, uh, sample, just it, I think I was just done. Like I've had enough. <laughs> like I get this, you know. Like it was good. It's good, but fuck shop is where I stop. You know well, what I mean? Like, and I, you know, it's we're yes. I have I have comments on that too, and I'm 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 almost there with you. Um, the fuck shop. Uh, now there was a clean version of this called the funk shop, and I'm not even <laughs> going to go there. Um, again, if you guys want some real comedy, go look up the as clean as they want to be album it's only like eight tracks versus the double album like i don't even know if it's eight tracks even but it's 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 also it's it's comedy gold along the lines of the the made for tv version of the big lebowski like (laughs) straight up things that don't make sense like uh, like there's a reg and me so horny. There's a reference to them watching in instead of saying his dick's hard. He's at home watching Arsenio hall. I mean, come on, but no, <clears throat> here we are at the fuck shop. Um, I know a place just down there, two streets, baby. They'll ask you no question and give you clean sheets. Uh, Joe, what is your take of the fuck shop? <sighs> I love the sampling and the <laughs> DJ work on it. Again, again, at this point at the lyrics, like, I'm almost desensitized by it all. Yes. At this point, which is, again, this is where I kind of like, if I were to listen to this again, I would probably stop at this. Like that's, I, I've had, you know, I get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they decided to go with like, you know, eight more songs. <laughs> this should yes. not have been a double album. No, no, no. And we'll definitely get to why, no, it should not. But I like the DJ work. I like how it starts with the sweet child of mine. Riff, that's so brilliant. That's then so they use brilliant. The, Ain't talking about love as like the main kind of hook. Yeah. As the main hook. Um, I, I I did say uh, when it opened with Sweet Child of Mine, I busted out laughing and I was waiting for it to come back. It doesn't come back like nope, they nope. use it once. <laughs> they use it for like two seconds. I think they went, mm, yeah, Axel Rose will probably sue us, but Van Halen, no. Oops. Well, you guys guessed wrong on that one. Um, <laughs> so. Yes, they sample um, "Ain't Talking About Love." They sample more Leroy Skillet and the Wanda from "Backdoor Baby," from "Backdoor Daddy." Music explosions, little bit of soul, and "Sweet Child of Mine." Um, this is, I think, an album highlight to me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. This I is should have just good. ended on it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. Again, getting to it. Um. Um, there's only, uh, there's only one place to go where the price is right. Just to fuck a hoe. It's always popular with the girls and the guys. Cause for all my money, it's the best buy $10, two hours is the time to stay. That's it's more than enough time to slay. Every room has a bed and also a stink and also a, a sink. So you can wash your dick after fucking the pink. Uh, but be careful the things that you use. Cause you can get arrested for sex abuse. <laughs> so if you hit the door and the panties drop, 
a lot of sucking and fucking at the fuck shop. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's over. It's yeah, it it boggles my mind that people didn't get it. It just didn't get it. Just didn't get it. I mean, they have a. Sh- I mean. I got to think about this. So when I saw this one, like I was, when I, again, I, when I looked, when I picked out this album and I saw they had a song on this album called the fuck shop, like a media, I was like, Oh my God, I got to hear this. This is going to be hilarious. You think it's near the love shack? <laughs> I think it's just right down. I think it's right down from it, the, fuck down shop, the road from the love shack, right down the road from, the, you know, it's, it's the reason the fuck shop is the reason why the love shacks tin roof rusted. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think, um, Like, again, I want to know the mindset of America, white America in in the in 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 the late 80s where they have a song called the fuck shop and they're scared. (laughs) What? Like what? You've been listening to like everybody's really scared in the early 90s and then it just kind of stopped. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I think because you had all the fear mongering that was going on, and then people realized like uh, nothing's happening. Yeah, I think a lot of people after a while was like, I just don't care enough. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like like after this came out, all of a sudden you had like your your Marilyn Mansons and your Nine Inch Nails, and yeah, you had all this like <laughs> it was just like people were just like, oh my god, I can't. I can't yeah. be angry at all this shit all the time. <laughs> I, I really think that's, I think it was overload. I think that's Eminem, like, you know, yep. <laughs> I think it's just over. I think it was overload because, and we'll get to that. Well, we'll get to more. Uh, uh, well, I'll get to it now, I guess, because one of the, one of the things that came from this um, briefly is, you know, Carly, Car, Car, uh, like supposedly Carly B is considered porn rap, which no, she did one song called WAP. And there was a short explosion about it, and that was it. Like, people just dropped it because Ben Shapiro came out looking real bad. <laughs> yeah, he came out really strange. He always comes out looking really strange with his hot takes, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know. Now, once again, to quote Norm MacDonald, it's, it's not ha-ha funny. It's like a Woody Allen movie. It's a, it's a ha-ha strange, like a Woody Allen marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and if you don't know what we're talking about just look up ben shapiro wop just yeah. just look that up and, and you'll know you'll know i don't have yeah. to bring it up here i mean wop came out and i was like little kim was doing that in the early 2000s and what nobody batted an eye like no one batted it? yeah yeah no no one bad like why was that the one that um that yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one. Like, again, little Kim was. Well, we'll, we'll get into it because there's more. There's more. All right. Yeah, fuck shop. I really feel like this was a highlight. This would have been yeah. a great mic drop for the album. And yeah. I think had it ended here, honestly, this would have been a really solid album. Yep. If you really wanted to, you could have you could have dropped like a like the other eight tracks like as a deluxe version or whatever. Yeah. But you guys front loaded. The album yeah, so is now it's a downward spiral. Now it's a downward spiral. So like next- they're just padding at this point. It's it gets a, a it's kind of uh, obnoxious. Obnoxious, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. We're gonna be yeah. blowing through these ones because I really don't have a whole lot to say about them. Well, so the next one is if you believe in having sex, which I will say, good on them 
for having like this is definitely a song that you do live right like this is the one for the fans that you get to do live because there is obvious interaction going on here and it, this would be cool as a live like if they if i could get a live performance of them doing this live i'd actually be interested to see it because it is a funny like what they're having people do it's funny um but overall like again this is just a like as an album you're listening to it it you're laughing but you're not getting the participation like this again is a song that you do live do you agree with that yeah yeah okay so um there's really not much i can say here all it is is just what you'd see like okay now repeat after me you know yeah. and then he gets the crowd saying things yeah. and it's typically you know uh, band versus on cd or streaming or whatever it, it really just doesn't work it doesn't like, work. on record it doesn't work no 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 it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh no it doesn't work uh, my seven bizos with the uh, Hendrix riff, and that's the, the only thing I really remember. Yeah, you know, I was so about this point. Now, again, you know, I travel for work and do that type of thing. Usually around this time, I'm sure where I'm going to be getting to. You know, I drive all over, you know, whatever, but usually around this time frame, I'm getting out of my car. And so, yeah, this here is where I started to struggle because I had to then go back and listen to the album. Um, my Seven Bizzos is, you know, okay, it's all just about him singing about seven women that he fucks uh, or yep. rapping about seven women he fucks. That's cool. it. Yeah. Yep. And again, it's got that voodoo child, you know, which probably was maybe would have been more effective, but I'm so burned out from it from WCW Hulk Hogan that when I heard it, I was just like NWO. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now you get, get the fuck out of my house, which again has Eddie Murphy and it's doing laid backs, white horse. It's, I don't remember any of it. The thing. Okay. It, there's not a lot here. Yeah. Uh, It's, I mean, I mean, dude, as it's written here, house, 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 get the fuck out, get the fuck out, get the fuck out my house, bitch, get the fuck out, bitch, get the fuck out, bitch, get the fuck out my house, bitch, you in my house now, you're talking all that shit, so get the fuck out, you sorry ass bitch, you come in my house, eating all my shit, so get the fuck out, you sorry ass bitch, bitch, yeah. bitch, bit, bit, bitch, 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 bit, bit, bitch, bitch, <laughs> I mean, this is it. This is it. It's not, this is filler. Why would yeah. you do a double album and include something like this? Well, like this whole back end here is filler. <laughs> like I would, this would have been a solid single album. It would have been a solid single because album. Because now we get to probably the lowest point of the album, which is reggae joint. Yeah. For me anyway, this was bad. I love reggae and this just isn't even good reggae. It's just, uh, yeah, it just, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, no. Um, again, you got you know, it's a lot of it is kid uh, ice. Come sucky sucky bitch, bend down. Oh, come sucky sucky bitch, bend down. Uh, yeah. Um, like it's. I know people are gonna say, "Gee, it, there's offensive," you know, but it's it's you know a Chinese guy and three black guys from Miami trying to do reggae, and it's just, it fails. Yeah, it just fails. It just it flops. And then it goes, uh, the fraternity record, which has the, the Beatles Day Tripper riff 
Yes. They didn't yes. sample that. It's probably the smartest thing they did was not actually sample the Beatles because Beastie Boys did that, and I believe they got in some trouble for that. The Beastie Boys got in trouble for that. I mean, Danger Mouse got in trouble yeah. for that. Um, yeah, no. Um, and again, this is another one of those, like, this is the audience they were going for, folks. If you ever want to know who was they were trying to get, it was the frat crowd. Yep. It was absolutely the frat crowd because this is – like them, like, you know, hey, if, for all, this this record's for all you sororities and fraternities out there who really don't like each other. Now I'm going to call it the name of the sorority or fraternity. If you don't like them, I want you to say fuck them. All right, let's do it. And then he just goes through a list of like Omega, Sigma, Delta, yeah. Zeta. I mean, <laughs> here's a list of things like that's yeah. like that feels like that's the. The tail end of his album was like, here's a list of things. And we're just going to read out. We're going to start reading out of the phone book. It's yeah. Point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, yeah. So uh, but again, probably would be fun live. I would I imagine. So. But I wouldn't imagine that. Yeah. Live either. yeah. I, well, <laughs> I think if you're, I think it's towards the end of the night. You're wasted. and You're at a frat party. I could see them getting there. Yeah. My frat man. Yeah. I could see I, it, I would you just know, turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> you and I, you and I aren't frat people. Um, badass bitch. Again, I can't really find any uh, who sampled for this one. This is a tough one. Um, eh? yeah. I mean, eh? um, again, all. I mean, it's not what you think about a badass bitch. It's just about a bitch that could take a is fifteen inch eight is fifteen inch long eight inch thick dick. That's really it. That's why she's a badass. Um, eh? Yeah, you haven't got that by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we haven't got that by now. You know, this is you've you've apparently have not been paying attention. Yeah. Uh Mega Mix, um, this Three. one. Yeah, yep. this is just DJ work, which it's all right. Like I said, I like the DJ stuff about this album, so like this wasn't bad to me. It was just it felt awkward. Yes. Yes, it felt awkward. And again, this but this at you know, again, it just felt like padding, like if but this was honest... kind of cool as a B side, maybe. Right, and again, they're using craftwork again. Yeah. Um, but all lyrics and everything are just coming from craftwork. There's, yeah. it's just, it's just. Might as well just listen to craftwork. Right. I mean, it's cool hearing how he did it and what his interpretation of it. Absolutely. Again, like that's cool. And this is something why it's called Mega Mix Three. This is something that DJ Mix did on every like two live crew album. There was always a Mega Mix where he would just do everything from a vinyl cut. So. Um, this is just part of the presentation. And then finally we get Coolin', which I'll be blunt. I probably didn't, this one never had a chance with me nope. because by <laughs> the end, I'm so done. Yeah. I've just, I've had enough. It's, and you've had enough already. And you just want to get some sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, it's probably one of the again lyrically it's not really there it's just them on a beach and fucking and them just running around a beach yeah. just you know like just a day on miami it's almost um, like the, the the energy and their 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 creative process has died at this point you know what i mean it just feels like it just peters out yes yes and again i i wonder like you know i mean <sighs> anyways <laughs> we're we're I, I mean at this point i'm 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 burnt out right we yeah. just went through 18 tracks we had to listen to 18 tracks and again i have to listen to this thing minimum of three times um 
So there we are. So what became of True Live Crew after this? Well, we had talked about they came out with that fourth album, Band in the USA. Yep. Now that only went gold. And really the only hit off of it was Do the Bart and Band in the USA. Um, their other big one, uh, they had a live album, which really didn't do well. They did Sports Weekend, As Nasty as They Want to Be Part 2, was their sixth album. Um, there was a clean version of that as well. And it was the last studio album with all original members. And it had their last big si- si- uh, single, which was Pop That Pussy, um, which I think most people know that one as well. Um, after that, the only member that always stayed in was Fresh Kid Ice. Um, that was it. After that, it was people were coming and going. There was talk uh, at 2000. When people were doing solo works at that point, you know, Fresh Kid Ice was had already established himself as an as the first major Asian um, hip hop artist. Brother Marquis was doing his own thing. Um, so in the 2000s, there was all these different solo projects. Around 2007, um, Fresh Ice and Brother Marquis got back together and decided to relaunch Two Live Crew. Um, they started going on tour. Um, the other members would not come back, you know, um, then in 2010, um, uh, uh, Campbell, uh, Luke came back and worked with them and, um, they're briefly united as they won the VH1 hip hop honors, dirty South edition. Like really? So, um, they put out a single featuring E40. If you remember the band E40 or the group E40, um, and there was always talk that they were gonna do stuff and like tour with the Insound, Insane Cloud Posse and work on all these albums and never happened. Well, in 2017, Kid Fresh died from cirrhosis of the liver. Um, and I believe Luke is having some serious health issues right now. And it's just this was this was it. Um, so this really though brought about the genre of dirty rap or porn rap. Okay. Um, that you had gangster boo, necro too short. Kia. We talked about Kia, little Kim, little John's been associated with it. Trina, um, Carly, Carly B again, Cardi B, which then one song, Missy Elliott's been associated with it. Mia X, who I can kind of say, okay, yeah, I could see Mia X, she flows more into that, but I'm looking at this list and like three, six mafia, they won a Grammy and you're going to say that they're three six mafia won an Academy. Award. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Academy award this. Yeah. And you're going to say, you know, again, whatever happened to three, six mafia point is, is that there really hasn't been a great successor to this minus a girl who came out quite recently and her name's cupcake. Um, when her, Debut like like her big thing was an album called Come Cake. <laughs> um, so um yeah. Um it's there, but it's not to the prominence. There's usually like one or two tracks on an album that will do it, but nothing to the level that I think Two Live Crew has done, unless you have something out there that maybe I don't know about, Joe. I would say probably the closest, in my opinion, to be Little Kim. 
Yeah, look, I, okay, Cool Keith, I should bring up Cool Keith. Um, you know, there is that. He did have an album called, like, Porn Again, which was a porno core concept album. Um, you know, and uh, or, or he was on a porn, porno concept album by the Smut Peddlers, but no one knows who the Smut Peddlers are. Um, but yes, Little Kim, I would say, probably the most famous of them. Yeah. And again, it wasn't every track like this, though. No. No, but she was usually considered that. She had some shocking lyrics, too. She had, absolutely, but that's also saying, like, Liz Fair has some shocking lyrics. Again, it wasn't all the time um, like this was. I mean, you had album and album, and this really goes to show just how horny the fucking two-life crew crew was. I well, mean, I mean, it was the gimmick. With this. Mm-hmm. That was the gimmick. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just what it was. I mean, it's... Give credit where credit is due. They are able to wrap the shit uh, out of dick and pussy all over the place and somehow make it somewhat <laughs> interesting throughout yeah. it. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, we're burned out by the end, but it's just because the shock value is done. Yeah, the shock uh, value wears off. It's, you know, I again, I, I get upset, especially with them putting in Cardi B because I feel like cardi b yeah she did bop she did wet ass pussy of course she did wet ass pussy but you know she sings more of female empowerment it's not really like hardcore in your face like this was or like wap was and again that whole album wap was a single really it wasn't a concept album around wet ass pussy now cardi b wants to put out a put out a, a concept album around WAP. I'm in all day. <laughs> like I will, I will own three of that. Cause I would love to see something like this come to prominence because again, I listen to that. I know people got offended. I can't, it's so funny. Yeah. How do you take any of that and get offended? You know, I mean, well, I can the, see being offended cause that's kind of the point, but like actually taking it seriously was the part, the thing that confuses me. Like it's a, it's offensive. And then when you realize what they're doing, they're like, Oh, okay. And most people should have just been like, all right. And just went on with their day. But, Oh, the early nineties was a different time. (laughs) And and getting back to Cardi B and with WAP, right? I think the right people. (laughs) Hang on. Hang on. You're dragging this on like the end of the fucking two life crew. Hang on. I'm going to get to this. Because I think what did offend people, and it typically was guys, right, was because she's talking about dudes with big dicks. And I think, like, Ben Shapiro and people got really offended, like, oh, my God. And I think, you know, it had it been the vice versa, right? Like, and two live crews singing about, you know, rapping about big dick, singing a big dick. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that's what a guy does. Guys, rap, you know, oh, yeah, we got a big dick. But when a girl does it, oh, man, masculinity is attacked. So... There we go. Um, anyways, <laughs> Joe, at the end of the day, would you recommend as nasty as they want to be by two live crew? Yeah, it's it's entertaining. It is prepare for the drop after the fuck shop. Yeah, it just it just drops a quality. And, and I don't know what the reasoning behind it. But it's, this is what happens when you're padding out an album. And so, like, you know, like you said, it's a double album. So they padded the hell out of the second half of this album which really bad really does a disservice to the first half in my opinion but it's still a classic it's classic hip-hop album of course you know of course listen to it and just uh you know 
even by 2022 standards and me who who's lived through a lot of weird shit in pop culture and you know have friends that listen like my buddy Caleb listens to a lot of the shock stuff and he introduced me to John Waters even by today's standards this album is quite shocking <laughs> So yeah. Just prepare for it. Just prepare for it. If you are easily offended, mm-hmm. this is not for you. <laughs> yes. Um, I would also say that I would recommend the album. Again, I think really getting to the first 10, maybe even 11. Like, you know, if you believe in having sex, I think it's hilarious. Like, we, we were laughing in the car. Me and my buddies were laughing in the car when that was going on. We were just rolling. Um, the thing with it is. <clears throat> Is that there again? There wasn't a lot of defenders when this came out, except for spe- free speech advocates. Yeah, and still you was doing <laughs> right. And I'm gonna be very, very honest. There's some homophobia on here. There's some derogatory language towards the homosexual population. Not all over the place, but on like Derogi- very derogatory towards women. Very derogatory towards women. Um. You know, so, yeah, I mean, if you are easily offended or this is something where you can't understand the humor of it and you're going to go by the intent. No, the intent was to make you laugh like straight up. There wasn't a a um, um, what's there wasn't a um, subversive um, attempt to subvert women. Okay, this wasn't like some kind of plot to do anything it's what it was in the time frame again realize it's it's a time capsule what you're listening to if you are a fan of beats and sampling yeah. and the, the wild DJ work is fantastic fantastic again the fact that he took some of these things and made these beats and samples out of this really does speak to, you know, again, you can look at this and go, it's, it's elementary, it's kindergarten, it's, you know, uh, playground, you know, speak, whatever, it's juvenile, but the beats. It's locker room talk, Paul. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> locker room talk, Joe, but the beats themselves really are next level. Yeah, they, it, I think it, my opinion, it pushed beats and sampling to a different new level. And also, you know, this is, Gotta remember, this is one of the first big albums from the South for hip hop. Yes, uh, New York and L.A. were usually seen as the, you know, the pillars of hip hop, and uh, you know, it. This came out, and then it, it took a while for Southern hip hop to kind of take off, but eventually it did. And I, I love, I love all hip hop, but like this kind of paved the way, at least in my opinion, a little, at least a little bit for like outcast and stuff like oh hip-hop artists from the south were finally being able to be rep- it was no longer the two big cities on the coasts no no this was this is recognized as the first um as the first southern rap um or hip-hop southern hip-hop album to break to get into the charts yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. Again, was it by the volition of it being a great album or was it by the volition of all the controversy around it? Doesn't matter. No. In the end, it brought a shine to um, the dirty you know, south, the dirty south, the dirty south. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, 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 there was a single by them called Throw the D released in 2000, excuse me, 1986. And it was for a long time 
the blueprint for every Southern, not that Miami hip hop sound. It mm. absolutely was. So these were really the pioneers for it, for better or worse. You know, now again, for those of you that have, you know, issues with the, with what I was talking about, I'm going to leave you with a little bit here of what the gentleman uh, Gates, um, the, um, the um, professor um, who was brought on the stand and spoke about freedom of speech. Um, he had said in, in the course that this has a, um, <clears throat> uh, where I want to find it here so I get it correctly, um, that there is a lot of African-American um, vernacular um, history um, and importance brought in by this album that um, has important roots for African-American vernacular games, literary traditions, and should be protected. That came straight from a Cambridge college professor in 1992. So, talk yeah, that's, you know, yeah. even if you don't like it, you should at least, you know, recognize, recognize what it was and what it did. And, Fuck people! Don't take everything so goddamn literally. Don't. <laughs> and 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 the final postscript to all this, there was one final lawsuit uh, in 1990 for the clean version of this album. <laughs> Yet another lawsuit. They parodied "Oh Pretty Woman" by Roy Orbison, and they took him to court. And in 1994, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously. Um, based upon a, a Ninth Circuit case involving Rick Dees, and this is what really opened the word for uh, way for Weird Al, which was parody, it was fair use, and not infringe. So, and that took four fucking years to get resolved, where I think, I think had it been anyone else, it wouldn't have been a four-year court case. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So, Joe, uh, as you know, this is part of our third season i plan on doing a mass batch not this weekend but next weekend okay. um so or after we'll do the next one next weekend and then i'll do a massive batch before i take off for the week both you and i will be off that we that one week uh you have a thing you're going to and i have a, a work thing i'm doing um but talk to me about what you you and joe have going on the joe down at this time i did see you guys release something yeah we did really never been kissed fuck me very problematic movie. <laughs> I, I regret that I, I didn't see the red letter media clip where uh, Mike, <laughs> forget his last name, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Was it Rich or was it? Uh, yeah, Rich. Rich. Uh, what's his? Rich Evans. Rich Evans. Yeah, they were background extras. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, yes, yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, yeah, I was just like, get me off these swings. <laughs> <laughs> me and Rich Evans are coming back. We'll they, the, they did it. So like 17 hours, and then they just decided not to come back <laughs> for being extras. That's so funny. But that's, uh, that was a nice little tidbit that I found. But uh, after that, I decided to pick a movie I've never actually seen before. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm quite interested. I picked M.A.S.H. You've never seen MASH. No, I remember, I've watched the show, but I've never okay. seen the movie, so I'm pretty interested in that. I'm very It's our interested. first Robert Altman movie, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's your first Robert Altman movie? Okay. For the Joe Down, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I'm interested to see your thoughts. I have seen MASH. I have my thoughts on it. I'm going to wait till after you see it because I don't want to say anything until you do. Then before you do your review, let's let's talk because I have thoughts and uh, things on it. Um, <clears throat> and there's some really interesting um, trivia between the movie and the TV show if you're unfamiliar with. So, yeah, I'll put uh, that after I finish it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's – I watched a little – few things to prepare me for it because, you know, it's uh, – it's from a way different time, you know, this 1970s, so. Yeah, yep. Social norms were not the same then as they are today, so. I got, I'm going in with that, at least that lens. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah, there's some there's some interesting, okay, so you, well, I can, I can say this because it's not going to ruin the experience. Um, I'm not going to give anything away here, but there was a lot of contention between the writers of the movie and the writers of the TV show where the writers of the movie felt that the spirit of the movie and kind of what the what the premise and what they were trying to get across for the movie was completely thrown under the bus with the TV show. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, they're just two different media. mediums. Yeah. It's, it's two different media. It's just one's meant for a longer, longer form than the other. So there's always going to be a difference. Just how it is. All right, so you're that's right. So you guys are doing mash. All right, yeah. all right, Joe. Well, we spent a long time on this one. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. What are we doing next week, buddy? Oh, Paul, we're gonna go back a few years to another hip hop band okay. that raised a stir. We're going from Florida to Compton. Oh, we are going with NWA's straight out of Compton. Fuck, we are so canceled. <laughs> between, <laughs> between this and, and 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 dude, you and I are kind of on a tear lately, aren't we? We're like, hey, let's see how far we can push the podcast. Yeah, this is a an album in which the FBI <laughs> claimed that they were the band's song "Fuck the Police" was uh, partially responsible, I believe. <laughs> for like violence against cops which is yeah. ridiculous but which is ridiculous but dr um, may said it helped them sell millions of more records so it was the greatest publicity he's ever had in his life so yeah we're going we're gonna stick on the hip-hop binge all right i can i can go for this yeah this came out in if i'm not mistaken when we were in third grade so what like 88 89 yeah, yeah, we were real young yeah, because I remember there was kids that we went to school with that had this tape. My brother had, had the tape. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I had two older sisters, so this was something that was um, not on my radar. My sisters were not listening uh, to NWA. They were listening to Gangsta Gangsta? <laughs> they were listening to Gangsta Gangsta. But I will say when The Chronic came out, they were all over that. Yeah, um, yeah. oh, man, that's fun. We are gonna get canceled for shit, dude. I agree. Yeah, another another album that raised First Amendment questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited because this is a absolute classic. And if anyone doesn't know every track off of it, there's a problem. <laughs> there's a big problem. There's a big problem. All right. Well, we're gonna do that. All right, Joe. Well, uh, do you want to take us out, sir? Nah. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.